Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of the WAM Podcast. It's an honor to host this podcast, where listeners get to hear candid conversations with amazing female leaders. We're going to hear stories about personal and professional challenges. We're going to hear about how people are giving back to their communities and even the world. And I hope that you're going to find the stories that we share to be as inspirational as we do. And speaking of inspirational, joining me today is an amazing, self-made, and fearless leader who is absolutely disrupting the supply chain around the world. Stephanie Benedetto founded a unique marketplace to buy and sell unused textiles. She's going to tell you more about it, but what she is doing is keeping them out of landfills and turning pollution into profits. And I know that you're going to find that her energy and enthusiasm are contagious. So let's, without further ado, join me in a warm welcome for Stephanie. Stephanie, how are you? Welcome. Thank you so much, Linda. It's great to be here. You know, Stephanie, we've had some time to get to know each other a little bit. And the more I hear, the more I'm impressed. And you're really the epitome of a self-made woman. I was hoping that you could tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, how you got started in this whole business, and particularly how you went from a corporate attorney to a fashion tech and sustainability entrepreneur. Well, I appreciate the kind words and all the support. It is funny after being a Wall Street attorney, somehow we do always end up getting back to our family roots. So it did all start. My family has been in fashion, textiles, and supply chain for over 100 years. So I had a very long history in this, grew up around it, very much appreciated the power of the world being powered by supply chains, but disliked all the waste that I saw and knew there had to be a way to build a better system. Like I said, I didn't do the family route. I did go to Wall Street as an attorney, but I specialized in representing fashion, technology, and sustainability companies. And as I was doing that, kind of always knew I wanted to go back and build a business to change the world. And... That's where kind of the idea for Queen of Raw came about. I knew there had to be a better way to do things. So, so let's talk about that because you cite some pretty powerful statistics. Could you share a little bit more with us? Yeah, absolutely. So the textile production is the number two polluter in the world of clean water globally, second only to oil and agriculture, which textile production also contributes to. It, it uses, obviously, oil and, and agriculture and its products. So massive, massive problem. And If we continue at the current pace of textile production, by 2025, two-thirds of the entire world's population is going to face shortages of fresh water and be exposed to hazardous chemicals just from textile production alone. It just consumes such massive amounts of water, the dyeing, the rinsing, the treatment, the cleaning, massive amounts of water. And people often think about this as a problem, you know, in Asia where a lot of textile manufacturing occurs. Well, it is a problem there. But let me tell you, it's also a problem here in the United States. It's happening today and on our shores. So we know we need to solve it. So, Stephanie, where do these numbers come from? I mean, is, are there a study? How does this come out? Absolutely. So to break it down simpler, if one T-shirt, a single cotton T-shirt, takes an average 700 gallons of water to produce and another 700 gallons of water to actually wash it in its lifetime. That's just one shirt. 1,400 gallons of water. And to put it into perspective, over 2 billion shirts are sold around the world 
every single year. So when you think about it on that level, just that one shirt that you're purchasing, the impact that it has. Now, of course, you know, we're not going to go without shirts. We do wear shirts, but just the number of shirts we purchase, what they're made of, where they come from, just to show you the power of how doing things better can have a massive impact. Take that one cotton t-shirt and turn it into organic cotton. That takes only 10 gallons of water to produce and no toxic chemicals. So it has a massive difference uh, if we just make those yeah. changes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how is it that nothing has been done to address that? I mean, it seems like it's funny looking back. It seems like an obvious problem, but I guess it wasn't. I laugh about this sometimes, too, because, you know, obviously so many industries, not just fashion, although that's where I started my business, but so many interest, interesting industries use textiles, interiors and architecture, automotive, aviation, computer electronics. They're all using materials, massive industry. And actually, it's an $800 billion a year industry and growing. And yet producing all this waste, an average 15% of every single production run at every step ends up as waste in the textile industry. So that's how we get to every year, 120 billion with a B dollars worth of unused textiles. And it's funny, this stuff just sits in warehouses collecting dust, or it gets burned and sent to landfill. And when I started in this industry, people often assumed for Queen of Raw that we were dealing in scraps, that this is like small factory offcut scraps by the pound. Sure, we deal with that too. But for some of our inventory, we have tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of yards in perfectly good condition, sealed on rolls in the same mill that they were manufactured that is going to be burned or sent to landfill. It's just massive forecasting that creates massive waste and nobody was paying attention to it. It was easier to just kind of ignore it until it got so big and then burn it or send it to a landfill. They just had no alternatives. Um, unbelievable. So talk to us a little bit more. So this is really a, a market maker business as you've defined it. Is there anybody doing anything close to this? And just where do you see the technology taking or maybe you could walk us through exactly how this works. Of course, you know, I laugh about kind of the way I've been thinking about business because in many ways, it's the way my great-grandfather did in 1896. He came over <laughs> from Austria, he landed at Ellis Island, and he settled into the Lower East Side. And what did he do? He had to chase the American dream and figure out how to make a living and provide for his family. So he found materials and supplies nearby this was all things that people had brought over on the ships with them that they weren't using, old discarded furs, discarded fabrics. He would create beautiful fashion garments by hand with minimal waste and minimal toxins because his bottom dollar depended on it. And he'd sell it to local customers. And it was an incredibly profitable, successful business. Now, I was fortunate to grow up around my great-grandfather who lived to 104 and a half, and he lived near me, so I got to hear the stories. Of course, he didn't talk about this as sustainability or circular economy. But at the end of the day, that's what it was. It made sense for people, it made sense for planet, and it made sense for profit. And so my vision kind of with Queen of Raw, obviously, today's supply chains are so much more complicated hundreds of steps across the globe, metric tons of water, chemical, crops, oil, all used in the process. But how can we use and harness the power of technology 
to get back to the way my great grandfather did business, which just made sense. So Queen of Raw, we have created an open marketplace. It's a platform for businesses to buy and sell their unused textiles. We focused on textiles in the fashion industry to start, although there's obviously a lot of opportunities in the future to grow, and give them open access and resources to, in real time, identify waste in their supply chains, click a button and automatically post it in our platform, and then over time, now that we know from these sellers kind of the waste that they have, we can start to help them make intelligent predictions of how to minimize those waste streams going forward. This now is data that has been exposed that was previously dark data sitting in a warehouse collecting dust or being burned or sent to landfill. Now they know what it's worth, they know where it sits, and they know how to sell it and how to make money on it. So we use, obviously, technology to match it to amazing buyers around the world who are willing and able to pay for this stuff. And it's funny, a lot of people said, okay, I get it. You know, you can have large to small to large enterprise sellers selling their ways, but who actually wants to buy this stuff? Funny enough, a lot of those same sellers turn around and become buyers. And it's been an interesting opportunity. Dead stock textiles have such significant value. And now people know about it, where it sits in the world, that it's become a major opportunity for them. They can find in dead stock what they need, when they need it at a significantly discounted price, located in a part of the world where they're manufacturing. It's a win-win-win. Why wouldn't they buy and use dead stock, something quickly and easily readily available? They just didn't have access to it before in the digital space, and now they do at their fingertips. So does it work similar to like an eBay where the seller is responsible for the shipping of it? Yes. So part of what we knew we had to do in this industry, because obviously, historically, it's easier to not not do anything with it, right? It was easier for them to just burn it or send it to landfill. But now, because of all of the changes in the political, social, economic environment, people aren't standing for that anymore. They're getting slapped with significant liability with all the changes in the laws on the books and realize that they're also, that their bottom lines are suffering and they need an alternative and a way to monetize this. So I think they see the value in it now, and but we knew we had to make it easy for them. So our technology automates everything end to end. We use kind of very interesting, cool tools with blockchain and machine learning. We're able to verify what these products are. Then we match it with its buyer. And then we automate all of the purchasing and all the shipping logistics. Collect the funds in full in advance prior to shipping from the end customer. And then we remit the sale to the seller. They get an email with the packing slip and the tracking label. All they need to do is slap it on the rolls, out the door it goes with the regular shipments, and they get they get money. It's hard to say no to that. Yeah. <laughs> and and who, provides, who provides the guarantee or the or is the, or is there any kind of a warranty on this? Yeah, no. So that's part of what we have built with the tools. Obviously, we stand behind, we curate our inventory. We don't just accept anything and everything. We have a process by which we vet who are sellers and we do use blockchain and other tools in order to provide integrity and verification to the data that we collect that what it is, it actually is, where it came from, what it's made of, what the price is, and then who it gets sold to. So that's very important to what we stand behind and to the quality and the curation of what we are. So we absolutely act as a middleman, but at the same time, trying to make the process more efficient and smooth and provide to protection to buyers and sellers. If there's ever an issue to date, we have not had one that would, but if there ever is one, obviously our role is to get involved and to help solve any problems. 
And, and Stephanie, how many buyers and sellers are there in the marketplace today? You know, it's funny. It's been growing like crazy. We hadn't even spent until recently. We've just been testing a little in customer acquisitions, purchasing actually customer acquisitions. Traditionally, we haven't spent anything in PR marketing or advertising. And, you know, we had over 60,000 users in the marketplace and growing every month. So I think there's a lot of momentum around this movement. What's funny is I saw so many people doing it with finished goods, right? I mean, incredible, powerful organizations like Thread Up, like Rent the Runway, like The Real Real, obviously, which just IPO'd this week, an amazing milestone for, for women in tech and in this industry. They were all doing wonderful things around what we, how we can keep finished goods and secondhand goods in circulation. But nobody seemed to be paying attention to up the chain. And I personally believe that it's incredible that they're, they're solving these problems down the chain, but that the issues are systemic. And that if we don't look at supply chains and their efficiencies up the chain and all the steps in the chain before, we're just going to continue to have those problems with overproduction at the end of the chain, which costs businesses money and hurts people and planets. So it, it's, you know, doesn't make sense. So that's where we found a real opportunity up the chain in the raw material side of things and how to create that kind of a closed loop circular economy. And do you see name brands kind of jumping on the bandwagon here as an example of sustainability? Yes, it absolutely gives name brands uh, a mission around sustainability and, and a powerful story. We find in the major enterprise organizations and the fast fashion companies that we work with that the corporate directors of social responsibility and the sustainability teams are definitely our office and brand champions. They stand behind it. They support it. But at the end of the day, we find a lot of opportunity in actually selling our solution and who is paying for it and who are we working with in supply chain and procurement and with the CFOs, the CIOs, and the COOs, because at the end of the day, we're offering them an economic solution. We're helping them right. get, for some of our customers, 15% or more off their bottom line by selling these liabilities on their books. And in turn, now they have this sustainable story. We can tell them all the great water toxins and energy that they've saved by buying or selling dead stock and not manufacturing new. And we can help them that improve their top line and sell to more customers because obviously, you know, we know today's generations, they care about the mission and traceability and transparency and visibility. And so when brands can stand behind it, it's a bottom line and top line improving. Absolutely. And if it's not a sustainability story for them, even now, it's a profit center. I mean, you're creating a profit center. It absolutely is. And, you know, there have been, when we started this, some enterprise organizations who pushed back and wanted us to sign NDAs and, you know, wanted to sell on a platform, but didn't want to say what brand it was associated with. They would give all the other details with the name of the brand. And I understand why. At the same time, I think we're seeing a shift and a movement away from that. Brands see the value that they, that they get by participating in these kinds of opportunities and by standing behind their sustainability movements. Funny enough, one of the brands that we worked with, Mara Hoffman, she's been a big leader in the CFDA in sustainability and an amazing designer with beautiful prints. She was willing to put a number of her prints on our platform and use her name and, you know, put us on her website as well, saying she's selling her excess stock through Queen of Raw. And I thought that was so powerful because she said, look, my prints are already out there. 
if somebody's going to copy me or knock me off in this industry, either they're already doing it or they'll find a way to find my factories and mills, buy some fabric and do it. Why shouldn't I be the one putting it out there, get some value for it and stand behind a sustainable mission? And I have to absolutely. Absolutely. So Stephanie, what are the biggest challenges you're facing today and, and what are you doing about it? We're hearing incredible numbers, as I've been citing, around just the sheer volume of dead stock inventory that is out there. The biggest challenge we have had since we launched the marketplace last year is being supply constrained. We have buyers coming. We have people searching. They're dying to get their hands on this stuff that they previously never could and had no access to. Now we've opened up that access in the digital space. But our challenge has been getting the supply on quick enough. And so we have had to come up with some tools and white glove services in order to help the enterprise companies get their inventory on quick enough. One of the major brands that we work with, who shall remain nameless, they came to us with 10 different Excel spreadsheets from 10 different departments in their business. And they said, okay, here's what we have in liability on the book, fabric liability around the world. And I looked at these Excel spreadsheets and they were all conflicting with each other and wrong and didn't make sense. And that's how one of the world's biggest fashion brands was managing their stock and their wow. supply chain. And so working with us, they thought they had X in liability on the books. They now know they have over 10X in liability in the books. But that was a lengthy process for them to identify these issues. So we knew we had to solve for that. And that's why we built some tools into our marketplace for our seller community to help them quickly and easily upload those CSV files, identify the errors, figure out what is waste, and automate the onboarding process. We know we have to get this inventory on quickly and easily and start selling for the sellers. So can you cite a particular success story where somebody's come on board and it's, you know, they've been blown away by the service? Yeah, I mean, we, we get incredible and powerful buyer and seller comments every single day from our community. I think one of the things that resonates really well with the buyers, we work with everyone from students, makers, crafters, and quilters, all the way to some of the biggest brands in the world who have also been buyers on our platform. And they really, you know, when they hear dead stock and you hear waste, you automatically, like I said, think of either scraps or something maybe that isn't first rate and high quality. But when our buyers buy these fabrics and these materials and realize the beauty in the quality and the mint condition that these are in and that they're getting like quality goods just at a deep, steep discount. It's so thrilling and exciting for them. And it's a lot of fun to then see what they go and make with our stuff and what they share on social all around. And the fact that from small to large, we're able to empower these designers to do what they do best, create and make. It's a thrilling feeling for me. And obviously I love working with major enterprise and fast fashion, but I also love working with the new emerging independent designers and students who are able to empower and support with cool, new, innovative, sustainable materials. And they care. They come to us for the sustainability mission, but then to be able to find what they need when they need it at that discount is awesome. And for our sellers, you know, for them to be able to stuff that's sitting there costing them money, a lot of times these sellers don't even realize what they have in waste and not only what, that, that the, there are greater liabilities on their books than they thought, but that it's actually costing them money to store in a warehouse in the U.S. for every one dollar of unsold product. Another dollar forty a year is spent on That's warehousing really cool. costs for insurance, yeah. 
right? That's crazy. They didn't even know they were spending that cost. So be able to free up that valuable warehouse space and make real money selling this stuff or instead of selling it to a job or a middleman for pennies for them is a huge yeah, Absolutely. And, and Stephanie, I know you don't like to toot your own horn, but I do want to just share with our listeners that you've won numerous awards and you're getting a lot of attention in both the tech community as well as in the, in the garment industry. Some in particular were the Founders to Watch by Woman 2.0 and the We Were Creators Award. Could you tell us just a little bit more about those awards and the recognition and, and the significance of them? Absolutely. For an early stage startup like mine and as a woman in business and in sustainability, which are very important to me and something I speak on regularly, to have the support and recognition of these powerful communities and organizations. I mean, it's a complete game changer. We are a bootstrapped startup. You know, we did all this on a bootstrapped dollar, which we're incredibly proud of. But of course, we want to be able to do more faster, onboard more inventory quicker, match it to its buyer quicker so we can keep this stuff out of landfill and turn that pollution into profit. So when you win some of these contests and awards, it comes with incredible press, incredible opportunities for strategic partnerships, and some of them with incredible dollars, which have allowed us to kind of fuel us forward. We did go through the, the WeWork Creator Awards. Anyone who hasn't looked at some of these contests and awards as a major business opportunity, it really is. And I always recommend to people to apply, even when you don't think that you have a chance, because you never know what is going to happen. And like I said, it has propelled our business forward. We did the WeWork Creator Awards. It was an incredible experience. We refined our business pitch and our kind of projections and our presentation skills over all the different rounds. Ended up going to the global finals and and being on a stage, being able to present in front of Ashton Kutcher and Gary Vaynerchuk and Pete Diddy. I mean, just that opportunity alone, aside from winning money, was, was unbelievable. And WeWork has been an incredible supporter and strategic partner of ours. A lot of times these opportunities come from things you don't naturally think are a fit. WeWork is the future of workspace, right? And they're building offices all over the world in an incredible volume and the opportunity to potentially in the future be able to provide them with dead stock materials locally sourced where they're building those buildings, that to me is the future of work and circular yeah. economy. No, that, and, and that's wonderful. You really you've become a, a major role model for a lot of women and, and men, not just women. Thank you. And I have to say it was also, aside from the opportunity, obviously, to work with celebrities and the opportunity to refine my pitch, we literally had 60 seconds, six zero seconds to pitch on stage. And, you know, I thought at first, like a four minute presentation was hard to an investor, but 60 seconds, when you know you can get your pitch down in 60 seconds, and you have to win over a crowd of over 20,000 people, uh, you know, you, you really do build confidence and skills around your selling and of your business, which is obviously the name of the game. As much as you can have the greatest technology and the greatest business, you can't sell it in 60 seconds. I love, it. I love it. Oh my God, what pressure. So, so we have <laughs> A little time. Tell us the 60 second pitch that you did. Okay, let's see if I still got it. Are you naked right now? You're not because you're using fabric. It's everywhere. It's where it's supposed to be, covering things like us, and it's where it's not supposed to be, sitting in warehouses around the world just waiting to be burned or buried. And that wasted fabric is destroying your drinking water. One t shirt takes 700 gallons of water to produce. It's the number two polluter in the world. 
I know this because my family has been in the fabric business for over a hundred years. Queen of Raw's Marketplace helps those factories sell the $120 billion worth of unused fabric to brands and creators, keeping it out of landfill and turning that pollution into profit. We've already saved over a billion gallons of water and we're just getting started. I'm doing all this for my three-year-old son. I want him to have clean water to drink and a planet to live on. My name, it's Stephanie Benedetto and I'm the oh, queen of rock. I love it. I got clap. That was wonderful. <laughs> So let's um, talk, I mean, and, and I love that you're doing this for your son as well. Tell me though, a little bit more about who are your biggest influencers and what's the best advice yeah. that you ever got? Well, I, you know, I called myself the queen of raw in this business, the queen of raw, because it meant something to me to empower myself as well as other people to feel like the kings and the queens and in control of their destiny and their, and their future, and that we can make the world a better place. I was fortunate to grow up in a, in a very strong women-run household, a very powerful mother and sister who I'm incredibly close to, and, and went for 14 years in Greenwich, Connecticut to an all-women school. And I think growing up around that and having this incredible support network of women who did from very early age teach you and support you and tell you that you can go do your dream, you can accomplish your vision, and you can change the world is what has kind of enabled me to, to be building what I'm doing today and what I hope to empower others to do for themselves as well. Yeah, it was funny. One of the first papers I ever had to write in school was about was supposed to be about a woman leader that we looked up to. And I actually put picked Aung San Suu Kyi, who is an incredible, if you don't know, female freedom fighter for democracy in Burma, spent most of her life under house arrest for espousing her beliefs and standing up for what she believed in, but just recently was released from house arrest and has accomplished her mission and her dreams. So I think, you know, that kind of an influence has sat with That's me. That's wonderful. Since. Yeah. And, and what do your parents think about this, this business and how it's come full circle? I mean, I laugh because in some ways they're like, wait, technology, blockchain, machine learning, what? And, you know, obviously I know if I can explain it to my parents and they can get it, okay, then I'm explaining it properly. But, uh, but I, you know, they've been incredibly supportive as well and uh, have given me the kind of the foundation to continue to, to do this. I mean, being an entrepreneur is an incredible ride. It's something I feel I was born and destined to do, but it's not definitely not always easy. And there are those days, and I think being able to come home to my son, to my husband, to my family is the support and the love that uh, continues to get us through the days that can be more challenging. Any last thoughts or, or advice for our female listeners? I always tell them, you know what, like, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to get your ideas out there. Put your vision and your dream out there. Test something. Take a chance. Learn from those mistakes and continue to iterate and improve because you absolutely can accomplish that. And for women who, who feel that they can't, just know that women's choices um, the decisions that we make impact, I think it's like something up to 85% of the world's purchasing decisions. This makes women the largest economic force in the world. That is power. And if we can harness that, believe in ourselves, believe in others, and take on positions of leadership, we really can change. That's a wonderful message. Thank you. All right. Well, I think we're, we're at the end mm -hmm. of our uh, show. I feel like we're going to just go, go on and on and on until hearing more about you. I'd love for you to, at some point, come back on and tell us how you're doing and what new challenges you have. 
I would be thrilled. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're at the end of the show now. And uh, Stephanie, thank you. Um, For our listeners out there, if you want to hear more about Stephanie and her company, The Queen of Raw, I strongly encourage you to go to www.queenofraw.com. Queenofraw.com. And goodbye for now. We'll see you on our next program. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.